Pickleball pro Jordan Briones is well known for his high quality teaching videos. So in this episode of the Pickleball Fire podcast, we talk about how to level up your game. Let's get to the intro to hear from Jordan. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Jordan Briones. How are you doing today, Jordan? Hey, Lynn. Doing great. Thanks for having me on. I know it's early for you there in Arizona, but I'm so glad we are able to connect. I've really been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long time, given the great videos you're always producing and just your teaching. So just to get started, in case people don't know a whole lot about your background, how did you get into pickleball and how long ago that was that? Yeah, so that was about seven years ago now, give or take. And my dad, actually, he plays a lot of pickleball as well. He went to uh, a gym, 24-hour fitness to work out, and one of his friends invited him to play this game because he had tennis shoes on and he saw that he had tennis shoes. So my dad, I was still living at, at home at that time, and then he told me, he asked and asked me to, to come play with him. So we actually, before we went out, I do remember that we looked it up on YouTube and, and we kind of saw a few uh, matches on there at that time. There wasn't much, but we watched a few and we we're like, oh, that seems like fun. We can, we should try it. So we went out on one Saturday and we tried it and it was a lot of fun. And like, I'm sure everyone else out there got hooked right away. And actually, I remember that Saturday really well. That was actually in Northern California. And from then, I was working a lot. But every single Saturday, I probably for the next two years, two or three years, we didn't miss a Saturday on playing. So that's how I kind of got started. Now, after those two or three years, I think you probably started playing a bit more regularly. So how did you manage that? And how did you get into teaching? Yeah, so let's see, I'm trying to think back here. But yeah, like I said, we I think the first year, though, exclusively, we just played almost every weekend. And we were playing Saturdays, I think, and adding Sundays as well. But you know what, we after a while, we wanted to play a tournament because we're both really competitive. I come from a tennis background and, and so does my, my dad as well. So our very first tournament, we it was in Tustin, California, and we were very uh, adventurous and we thought that we were really good. So we actually entered 5-0, our first tournament. And I'm not sure if we won a game. We might have went 2-0 and out or might have won might have won one game in the losers bracket but our very first match interestingly enough is we i think we played steve wong and i know a lot of pickleball players know who that is he's actually here in arizona we got beat pretty handily so that was my first tournament experience with my father and then from there just started playing more and more and the teaching thing i don't think came in i don't think that came in for a couple years or so, but I did start helping others that I was 
just playing with. And then also I started actually making some videos and we could maybe talk about that a little later too. All right. Well, I've actually had Steve Wong on the podcast and uh, I know he is an excellent player. So actually I'm curious when you had that experience at the five zero level and you kind of learned you weren't quite there, what did you do to eventually get to that level? Yeah. So you're talking about before or after that, that tournament? After the tournament. Oh, I see. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was a really good, I would say humbling experience because I think like everyone today, when they start the game, or let's say you're coming from a certain background or not, I'm sure you go watch some videos here and there. And honestly, I know Lynn that you could probably say this yourself, but when you watch players on YouTube or even the pros today, it is very impressive and it looks great. But in real life, it's a lot more difficult and than I think what is shown there, like the speed and the placement and a lot of things. But after that tournament, we honestly started a drilling routine. So we we analyzed kind of our match and talked about a little bit of what we knew back then and then we knew that we had to work on certain shots and implement you know some certain advanced strategies at that point but it was a huge learning process i mean we were i think within a year to a year and a half when we played that first tournament so we had good general knowledge of the game and from being coming from tennis we had a lot of skills but we definitely had to refine a lot of skills and learn actual pickleball skills. I think that's how I would explain it. So that's what we did. We did a lot of drilling and we practiced a a great amount. Now with all that drilling and doing the match analysis, you ended up actually playing quite successfully at, at the pro level a few years ago, but then I think you took some time off, didn't you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're in Arizona now. My wife and I, could, uh, my wife Katrina, uh, we have three little kids now. And it was about, let's say, about three years ago where when I was really traveling a lot and playing a lot of tournaments, nationals, US Open, a lot of the big ones. And this is actually when the first kind of pro tour came out and first started. So it was really cool to be a part of that. I had some pretty good success against the top players at that time in singles, particularly in doubles as well. But yeah, I used to travel and play a lot and it was a lot of fun. And then when we had our second and third, I I definitely had to focus more on, on family and just, I couldn't travel as much. And along with that, I was actually working full time for UPS. So I, I was actually a truck driver and driving and working 50 to 60 hours a week. So it was really tough to train and travel. So I did tone it down. And now moving to Arizona about six months ago, I could get back into some tournaments. And so I'm having fun. So what was it like going back and playing at the pro level after quite a few years? I would imagine things have changed a lot. Yeah. And I think I'm going to actually make, well, actually, I know I'm going to make a video on this at some time on my YouTube channel, but the game has changed quite dramatically. It's just really improved. 
And obviously I would say number one, it's just so much more exposed as a game, like pickleball, the growth has been crazy. So you have a lot of players from other backgrounds coming into the game, particularly from tennis and other sports. And obviously there's more sponsors and money in the game as well. So it's drawing a lot of athletic and talented players. So I would say a couple of things that has changed the, and I'm sure a lot of people have talked about this, but in my point of view, I would say the attacking definitely offense has really increased and the ability for players to attack in different ways to serve. It's funny, like one of the things in an email that I'm working on is one of the things when I first started pickleball that has like night and day changed is the serve. So obviously we've had a lot of controversy over the past couple of years or one or two years or so on the spin serve and all that, but not just that, but actually how people hit their serve offensively. When I started the game, I think even watching those YouTube channels of, sorry, videos, the serve was not a weapon back then. And that's just obviously one of the very few things that has changed. Like I said, attacking um, the athletic ability of players. I know that Ernie was, it was around back then, but we see a lot of athleticism around the Ernie. And I think everything has gotten better, really dinks. And I think players defense at the top level, at the highest levels, the ability to dig out points and really be very successful in that transition zone against balls that are getting hit really hard at you. I think those are a few things, but there, there is a long list of things that's definitely improved. All right. That was a great summary. And I really appreciate that. And it's interesting because I think as recreational players, they go out and watch a lot of videos. I know I watch your YouTube channel a lot and you've got some, you're a wonderful teacher, but I think people are always wanting to, if they're have that little competitive itch, they're really always wanting to get to the next level. And you did, you've done videos and I, I know you probably have PDFs and other content about talking about people getting to the next level. So in one of the videos, you really talked about, I think, four different things, the dink, volley, resets, and the third shot drop. And I think the, I think the dink, certainly as you move up to the 4-0 level, that's something you absolutely have to have. What advice do you have for people to learn that skill and do it properly and feel comfortable with it? Yeah. You're, are you talking about dink specifically now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So dinking just one of the many aspects of the game but at any level i would say actually it's really interesting at the highest levels or at higher levels i'm thinking is very important now i coach here in arizona i i teach and and help players out all over here full time now so i see a lot of different levels and obviously most of the levels that i work with are in that 3-0 to 4-0, a little bit higher range because that's the vast majority of players. But I think the struggle, I, I know you didn't ask this question, but I just to, to give a baseline here, I think the, the struggle with most players starting out when they're 
in kind of that 3035 level and they're learning is what I deal with is I'm trying to teach them the right way, which is obviously the game and how how the point progresses and stuff like that. Obviously, dinking is a huge part of pickleball, but at those levels, they go out and play rack play and they're dealing with bangers and obviously players don't have the control. So there's not a lot of dinking, unfortunately. And I, and so, you know, kind of taking that information in, it gets kind of frustrating for players and I could definitely see why. So just in general, I I work on a lot of volleys, actually volleys and, and also ground strokes for that kind of level, just because that's actually realistically what they need to really improve on. But dinking in general, as you're improving, I talk about a lot in the videos, it's definitely okay. We all need to be able to control the ball, just hitting it back and forth with good margin over the net, getting it consistent into the non-volley zone. So that's very, you know, basic level dinking. And I think as a coach, if you're a coach or you're just teaching or learning to dink the ball into the non-volley zone, we all need to do that when we're uh, starting out just, you know, for control purposes, paddle control purposes. Now, as you're progressing through dinking, there's many different things that you're going to be adding to your dinks. And let's talk about like more offensively first. When I first started the game, um, and I think it even took maybe two plus years. Um, Now on my backhand, I think most players tend to have slice on their, a little slice on their backhand. And that's natural if you're hitting dinks with one hand. so. I have slice on my forehand, backhand, but you know, you watch advanced players play, they're, they're hitting with slice, they're hitting more flat dinks, kind of like just lift dinks. And a lot of players now, I think at the highest levels, it's very good to develop a topspin dink. And we're seeing that at the highest levels very often. So there's a lot of different kind of dinks. And just as a tip for players listening at any level like i said in the beginning we want to learn how to dink the ball back and forth over and that's great but we the most important thing um, is trying to apply that pressure on your opponents especially at a higher level so quick tip just when you're dinking along with moving them side to side maybe to their forehand stretching them out and to their backhand i think a more important tip than that is to really change the depth on your dinks. So effective dinking, and you can see this in higher level play, I would say that last third of the non-volley zone to that non-volley zone line um, and even beyond. Those, that is what you should be focusing on, forcing those dinks in that area, and w- which really does a couple of things. It makes your opponents have to decide to take the ball out of the air as a dink volley, or it's going to force them to take a step a step back. And thirdly, it can um, maybe force them into a half volley dink, which is a really tough ball. So if you're at the advanced level, work on hitting with a little bit more slice, you can do that definitely. You can add some topspin on your dinks, but the biggest thing is location. You really want to be pressing those towards that non-volley zone line and hitting the the dinks to your opponent's feet. 
And then at the higher levels, you always need to be careful of not pushing that dink out too wide. Otherwise, your opponent might hit that ATP. Yeah, that's definitely a big one. And yeah, and it's just a quick tip on that. That's a very common thing. I know at lower level, that shot doesn't open up as much or not exposed as much. But yeah, at the higher levels, players are trying to hit cross court dinks, pull their partner out wide, which is a good thing. But you know, if you're hitting it too close to the sideline, it opens up that ATP. So one thing I would suggest is when you're hitting cross court balls that you actually move your target, your cross court target closer to the non volley zone line, not really short. Because if you're dinking cross court close to the net, that's usually when it, it opens that up and that ball travels um, a lot further than you would want to. Great tip. You also were talking about volleys because you, as you mentioned, sometimes if you're at a level and you're playing bangers all the time, it really is hard to get into a dink rally, but pretty much any level, the volley is very important. What are some tips that you have for that particular shot? So like I said um, earlier in the interview, volleying is a huge part at any level we need to learn how to hit effective ones or it's going to be really tough to to win at any level but so for volleying what i would say a couple tips make it as as compact as you can and what i mean by that is have a short stroke and that you're pushing forward and also focus on your how how much action your paddle has so what what that means is when i'm pushing that volley out when you're just starting, you don't want to be moving your wrist or when I'm pushing out the angle of my paddle changes uh, a lot. And that's where we get into some errors. So for volleys, you know, that if they're banging at you or you're volleying back and forth in a volley exchange, what you want to do is you just want to have a short compact push out and you just want to keep it simple. And I know that's really hard to do. I work with a lot of players but, you know, the best thing I think players can do that I think that I've had a lot of success with myself and players is you can just get against a wall and practice. You don't have to be seven feet from the wall. You can just you can get really close and just practice that motion, that pushing out motion. If you're volleying against a wall, it's going to you're going to be doing a lot of backhands. And I think that's just a very simple exercise that anyone could do anywhere. And that really will develop that motion. Now, before I forget, I think you also said when we were talking before we went live that you've got a uh, workout PDF that is available for players. Yeah. So one of the things I think at any level, if you really want to improve is going obviously, and players talk about this all the time, but it is drilling, right? So when we're talking about player improvement, there's, I think, three different things. There's technique. Obviously, you can get with a coach or you can watch videos. Correct technique is the baseline for hitting efficient shots and consistent shots. And then there's strategy, right? For improvement, we're looking towards how, what shot to hit, when, and those kinds of things very important. And the last piece is putting into practice and getting the reps in. I think as you first start out, no matter what background you have, it's really important to get 
the reps in. And that's really what it is. When you're drilling in any sport, we have to practice certain shots to, to make that at a to make that high percentage and consistent. So I have a, a, a drill workout routine that covers all the aspects of pickleball that you can, yeah, you'll be sent to you and then you can watch it. I mean, it has a lot of PDFs and information there and it's on briannaspickleball.com forward slash workout. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad you've got many resources for people in terms of both your videos and then your website. So I know people will definitely get a lot of value. I I want to follow up with one thing about the volley because I realized that we didn't touch on it. I I think your tip around having that compact stroke is great. I think people kind of wonder where should they hit the volley? So you mean where they should hit contact point or you're talking about where they should hit it towards their opponent? Sorry. Actually, both cases. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Both cases. Yeah. So the volley, I would say for contact point, and this is, I would say for every single shot in pickleball, we all hear hit the ball out in front, right? And it's, it's a very common thing and coaches and good players will, will do that and teach that. And that's very important. I think it is relative because out in front could mean anything. So if you are at the non-volley zone line, you can envision yourself as that ball is coming in. We want to make sure we hit it out in front of us, but you know, how out in front it really is a big thing, I think. And that's, you know, something that I've said in a lot of my videos and also with working with students. But if you are volleying out and your contact point when your ball actually hits the paddle is too far from your body and you're fully extended, we actually lose some power and control. I mean, actually, we lose a lot of power and control when it's way out there. Obviously, we don't want to hit our volleys one inch away from our chest because that's jammed up. So there's a certain range, I would call it a certain zone where we should be volleying. And I would say generally it's about a foot to two feet, give or take out in front of our chest or a waist, however high that ball is. But that's definitely how we want to meet the ball. There's a good range or zone that we should be contacting it. And, you know, where to hit the ball. I always say this when we're talking about players attacking you they could be attacking you from the baseline or the non-volley zone obviously hitting it towards their feet down is preferred but if we can get that ball if, if sometimes we can't get that ball down and i think in that scenario if we could just get it away so just making them stretch and reach so yeah practicing volleys is very important and but you know The placement, I think, is, you know, as a lot of people know, it's so, so important. It's more important. So when someone's attacking you and let's say you're trying to counterattack or hit a volley, try, it's not, you know, as important to hit it as hard as you can back. We just, we want to put, keep that low or at least make them stretch or reach to the forehand or to the backhand. All right. Well, I appreciate the great tips. I know. The Pickleball Fire podcast audience will love them. And where can people get more information on Briona's Pickleball, both in terms of your video, your website, and then if they're in Arizona and want some training? Yeah, thanks, Lynn. So I have a YouTube channel and 
you could just search Brionis Pickleball on YouTube. So I do all pretty much all my content on there. And if you check out our website, well, there's a lot more stuff there, BrionisPickleball.com. And if you are in the Phoenix, Arizona area, or, you know, if you're traveling here, you know, hopefully I'll have some time and clear up my schedule, but you know, I, I do a lot of lessons in this area. And if you want to do that, you can just send us an email at brionispickable at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan, for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Lynn. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 